from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Prudence has you kind of raising your eyebrow at this market just a little bit. Not that we don't like stocks because we still do over bonds, but I think you have to pause here and make sure your risk tolerances uh, equate to what your asset allocation actually looks like. And and we, uh, as an organization, LPL Research, uh, again, have indeed taken some logs off the fire. Uh, We reduced our equity exposure. We're still overweight, but we have prudently reduced in, in terms of the way we think about it. All righty. Hi, everybody. We are live coming coming to you from day two of the LPL Focus Conference. This is a very special edition, again, of the LPL Market Signals podcast. We're calling it LPL Market Signals Live because we have our LPL advisors watching us live. So a little bit different Uh, today. Hopefully you got a chance to join us yesterday. Um, Jeff Bookbinder joined us. We talked about Focus, the big conference we're going to talk more about here very, very soon. Um, and Jeff, Jeff, myself, and Mark Zabicki discussed equities and the economy. Today, Mark is back, and obviously I'm here, Ryan's here, and we're going to bring in uh, Lawrence Gillum, our fixed income strategist, to talk a little bit about the Fed, fixed income, maybe a little economy. Who knows? We might even talk a little bit about the stock market once again. Uh, should be a, a fun conversation. But So let's uh, bring on Mark for a second. We're going to talk just briefly about yesterday's market action, as anyone wants to point out. Then we're going to dive a little bit more into focus for a good deal. And then we're going to turn the reins over to um, our wild fixed income strategist, Lawrence Gillum. He's just got a lot of good stuff to do. So we're going to talk about it. So Mark, yesterday, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, small caps sold off, market pulled back. We're, we're at all-time highs. Um, tech did well. Yield curve Yields bounced a tad. Anything that struck you from yesterday's market action you think we need to dive into a little bit here? Yeah, I think there was a little bit of focus, you know, as there probably should be. I see how you did that, by the way. Focus. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought thought I'd give it a try, uh, Ryan. Uh, A little bit of focus, if you will, on on, on the Delta area, as as there should be. Actually, you know, um, it's causing some pause, I think, in terms of decision makers, in terms of the way they approach their business. It may be causing some pause in terms of, the way you know folks like us think about the economy uh, in, the, in the market just a little bit, perhaps, it's, and and there's more work in terms of analysis of that to come. But that was probably the the primary focus. It looks like as we sit here today, we're cleaning up some of that di- downside activity with an early bounce this morning. Right. Right. No. Exactly. I guess also now we're not allowed to talk individual equities in terms of recommendations, but um, the only. Um, Robinhood, <laughs> isn't that the wildest thing? Uh, Robinhood's IPO came out last week. They had one of the worst initial days ever. Then yesterday they gained 50%, day before 24%. Not really talking about Robinhood and its IPO, but boy, Mark, you turn on CNBC, that's got a lot of people's attention. What is just your high level view of kind of the reaction to that IPO? Again, not a recommendation of a stock, but also what it means for the meme stocks, or just the market in general, I and mean, it's wild. Yeah, I, actually, you know, I, when I see that, Ryan, you know, it, it, it makes me again pause. It makes me raise yes. an eyebrow in terms of the way we think about what's going on in, in the equity market. And we talked about it um, yesterday is that I, I think prudence has you kind of raising your eyebrow at this market just a little bit. Not that we don't like stocks because we still do over bonds. Uh, but I think you have to pause here and make sure your risk tolerances. Uh, equate to what your asset allocation actually looks like. Um, and, and we, uh, as an organization, LPL Research, uh, again, have indeed taken some logs off the fire. 
Uh, we reduced our equity exposure. We're still overweight, but we have prudently reduced that in, in terms of the way we think about it. Absolutely. I've told this story before, but um, in 2015, I was unemployed and I was interviewing with LPL, interviewing with a lot of places. I was connected with Vlad at Robinhood and did a phone interview with them. I think only one, maybe two. It came down to, you know, they're in California. They wanted me to go out there and it just didn't really work out. But who knows? I, I wouldn't be on this podcast, but I'd probably be retired right now if I were taking I would have taken that job the way that stock is going. So anyway, I'm, I'm glad to be here, though. Although who knows? I, I mean, you know, be 42 and retired doesn't sound too bad either. But that's all right. Let's move forward. Um, you know, so Lawrence, I want to bring you in for a minute here. Uh, thanks, Mark. We'll go to you, too. I mean, Lawrence, this is your first focus, right? You're, you're relatively new with the team. Um, you know, Mark's talked a lot about how excited he is for his first focus. I mean, we had a, I guess, a call afterward yesterday. And Lawrence, you seemed like you said, wow, this is pretty fun. I mean, what was your initial reaction to your first day of obviously a virtual focus, but LPL focus? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it, it, it's pretty amazing to see the the effort and the the amount of, you know, man and, and woman power put into this, to, to set up this, this conference. And when we talked last night, it's not even a conference. This is an event. I mean, there's yeah. so much going on and, and, and so many people connecting and and i mean this is tremendous I've, I've i've been in the industry for for over 20 years and i've been to a lot of you know conferences but this is this is amazing and to have the you know the the, the speakers that we have lined up it, it, it's been a you know a, a great experience for sure no ab absolutely so the one speaker i want to talk a little bit more about is coach k uh, Dan Arnold, our CEO interviewed coach k mike Shashevsky in the first day of focus it was a really I don't know. It was awesome. I mean, it was, it was awesome. I don't know how long they went, about 30 minutes, but it felt like you blinked and it was over, right? And then Abigail Posner from Google, one of the heads of Google, um, is going to talk later in focus, which is going to be really, really exciting. But Mark, I mean, you've had 24 hours to think about it. You know, you you um, you, you like basketball. You're a Knowles fan, though. That's that's okay. Won't hold it against you. Are you a Knowles basketball fan, by the way? Clearly football. That's a football school. You like them for basketball, too? Of course. Of course. I like basketball, cross country, badminton, whatever FSU plays. <laughs> If, if they're out there, you, you're, you're wearing it and you're doing it. That's good. I mean, Mark, what'd you think? I mean, Coach K yesterday, I've got, I literally just looking at my Twitter feed on my phone. I got some quotes I'm going to talk about, but what, what, what would takeaways that you had from Coach K and honestly with Dan Arnold? I mean, Dan and Coach K was just, I, I, again, I've seen six focuses. This is my sixth one. That was my favorite um, presentation, interview, whatever you want to call it. I mean, Coach K was just awesome. What would you think? Well, I, I think obviously he's a, a, a great coach, but uh, but I think what um, what 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 came out of his mouth in terms of his his, his advice, I, I guess, crosses over clearly to the corporate world. That's that's why he's here. Um, and he talked about leadership of of people being kind of uh, in, in secondary on the X and in X's and O's part. So he's got he's got you know assistant coaches that could perhaps strong on X, X's and O's. And he's a leader of people. And I think that's an important message for all corporate leaders and certainly our advisors. Yeah. I mean, one of the quotes he said, he said, leaders can't stay on the 10th floor, man. They need to go to every floor. I thought that was really cool. It's like, you know, not up in this ivory tower. He's coming down, like you said, connecting with everybody um, to, the, to the best of his ability. He also said, when I was younger, I thought I had the answer. Now I listen better. He said, uh, you're not all, this is a really good quote. I know Burt White, who, by the way, you mentioned um, uh, Lawrence about, you know, focus being an event. Anyone who's ever had the pleasure to watch Burt present, it's not just a presentation. It is it's an event. So we're really looking forward to that presentation. But Burt said this is probably his favorite quote of the whole thing. And I can't disagree. Uh, Coach K said, you're not going to always do what you like to do. 
in order to do what you love, right? I mean, you know, believe me, everybody wants to win a national championship of basketball, but are you willing to put in the, you know, the hours and just incredible sweat, blood, sweat, and tears to get there? I think the short answer is no, most people aren't, but, um, you know, that's, that's the, the journey you have to get there. So just really, really awesome. And the thing that took me, I guess, from a bit, yeah, Coach K was awesome. The stories he had, oh, he talked about the 92 Olympic team. I'm sorry, the 92, he talked about the Olympic team, how Kobe was one of the most prepared people he's ever seen or ever worked with. Um, just kind of how, you know, they had to forget that they were all superstars, all-stars, mega billionaires, and they had to realize they're a team and they won a bunch of gold medals with him in charge of it. Um, you know, but it was just, um, I forget where I was going with that. I was going somewhere else with that. Oh, it the 92. 92 gave some stories about 92 with Christian Leitner and Grant Hill. And Grant, he said to Grant Hill, looked at him. He goes, we're going to win. We're going to win. He's like, as a leader, you, you know, you, you got you to gotta say that, but you got to believe it. He's like, I believed it. And he said to Grant Hill, he goes, can you throw it 75 feet? Grant Hill's like, yeah, I can throw it 75 feet. And then he said, Leitner kind of broke the ice. He's like, if he gets it to me, I'll do something with it. So that was the play. That's how they drew up the play. Um, and, and, and the rest is history, as they say. But I'll say this. One of the big takeaways for me is someone who presents a lot and sees people to present. You could tell that he did his homework, all right? He talked about what LPL did, how we help advisors and how we're growing really fast. And he talked about... Um, you know, just the, he talked about like our, our mottos or our mantras and what we stand for. Again, it showed he did a little extra research before he just showed up. And I'm not going to use any names, <coughs> Will Smith, <coughs> Will Smith. But like, you know, some of some, I think some of our speakers literally have showed up. And I'm not knocking it. It was great stuff, but they just kind of show up and go through the motions. I mean, not just at LPL, this is any speaker. I've seen speakers all over the place. Okay. But he did the little extra. And I just thought that was really cool and a really nice, um, nice touch that he, he understood who he was speaking to. So Coach K was awesome. We could go on and on. We don't want to go um, more than 30 minutes in this podcast, but um, I know Coach K's uh, Duke in general, right, is a little. <laughs> Controversial, well, controversial. You know, so you love him or hate him, right? It's Duke. You love him or hate him. It is Yankees. You love him or hate him. But it was uh, really, really good. Awesome, I guess the better word to use. So let's change gears. Uh, I've talked more than enough. Uh, Mark's talked a little bit. We're going to bring in Lawrence Gillum here, and we're going to focus on fixed income in today's LPL Market Signals Live. So Lawrence, I might chime in. Mark, you feel free and chime in. You just kind of tell me when to go to the next slide. And uh, let's see, first one, we've got 10-year treasury yield as well off its 2021 highs. That's one way to put it. I guess I'll give the ball to you here, Lawrence. Uh, Stick with the basketball theme. Yields are surprised lower. They don't okay. see, at least a 10 year, it's having trouble bouncing. Uh, you know, take, get it how I did that, ball bouncing. Uh, you know, take it from there, Lawrence. What, uh, what do you think? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, so the ten-year treasury, the price action really in the, in the ten-year treasury yield has been one of the big surprises for us this year. Uh, and we wrote about this a couple of weeks ago. But um, you know, the, coming into the year, we expected interest rates to move off their you know really low levels, uh, and, and we've seen that. But to see the, the price action and the the big increase in, in treasury yields over the first quarter was surprising. So uh, getting to a, to a high of one seventy four back in March, and then. Uh, as, as you mentioned, Ryan, it's been kind of drifting lower since then, which is, uh, you know, as we pointed out, another surprise. Uh, so we've got a lot of questions about can we read anything into these uh, these price the price action in the bond market? You know, is, is, the, is the bond market trying to tell us that the economic recovery is 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 doomed? Uh, you know, we don't think so. We'll we'll get into that in just a second. But I mean, it, it's 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 a uh, you know the, the price action has been something that that has surprised us. So we can move to the the, the next slide. If you don't mind, please. 
so what, one of the things that we look at to kind of gauge the, you know, the, the, the market sentiment, if you will, is, is, you know, we look at a number of different markets. We look at, try to look at markets holistically because rarely does the, you know, the price action in, in one market tell us everything that we need to know. Uh, so the questions that we're getting, you know, is the bond market trying to tell us something about this economic recovery? And, and so we, we don't think so because in general, when rates rally, when yields come down, uh, the yields and, and the economic activity tend to be correlated. So if, if the economic activity is improving, you, you tend to see yields increasing. If the economic activity is coming down, you tend to see yields decreasing. So uh, at, because yields have, have moved lower over the course of, of, of the past four months, uh, you know, there's concern about the, the economic uh, recovery, but we haven't seen that uh, play out in other markets. So what we have here on the screen is that uh, the high yield credit markets uh, option adjusted spreads and spreads again are just that additional compensation for owning, uh, you know, the riskier riskier debt. Generally, when there's an economic, uh, uh, you know, recession or slowdown on the horizon, we tend to see credit spreads widen, and and we haven't seen that this time around. So, uh, you know, we we think that it's just a lot of liquidity in the system, a lot of uh, you know bids for, for markets across markets. We're seeing it in, in equity markets, we're seeing it in credit markets, we're seeing it in the, in the rates markets as well. Uh, and if we go to the next slide. Well, let's, maybe, let's dive in a little bit. Like we've, we've, we've got some time, okay. let's dive in. So so you're telling me the bond market's not worried about the economy. I mean, is that kind of what, what you're seeing, you think? Is that, that, that because what I'm That's, reading is 10 year yields low and bond markets worried about the economy. You're saying something different, is that correct? Yep. I, that is correct. And, uh, you know, and generally, I would say that, uh, you know, that the bond market is a, a pretty good indicator of where the economy is going, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, historically, if yields, as I mentioned, if yields come down, that, that's a, a, a good indicator that the, the economy is maybe on some shaky ground. Mm -hmm. um, but because we're not seeing that in the credit market. So, the credit market, if you think about the credit market, high-yield credit has a very kind of lopsided return distribution, if you will, right? So there's only so much upside you can get out of, of high-yield bonds. But there's a lot of downside. If, if something bad happens, spreads widen, yields go up, you can lose a lot of money in the high-yield market. So they tend to be pretty jumpy when things, when bad things are about to happen. And, and you know, we just haven't seen that. So if we look at the chart here, you know, 2010, 2011, 15, 16, 19, and then, of course, during the, you know, the, the COVID uh, lockdowns, we saw yields spike up higher in the credit markets. That to us is, is a more uh, important signal than falling treasury yields. Like I said, we just haven't seen that kind of movement in the, the credit markets just yet. Good stuff. So Mark, I wanna to go to you for a second. This is kind of along the line. You can talk about that, but one thing that got my attention in the last 24 hours, our friends at Citigroup downgraded their view on equities. And one of the main reasons was they saw potentially higher coming yields. Just this morning, our friends at Goldman upgraded their view on the S&P 500 from 4,300 to 4,700. And you know why? Because they said, because yields were low. <laughs> I don't know. My head almost exploded when I just said that. I mean, you, you want to build on what I just talked about or maybe a little bit what Lawrence just talked about. Both those are fascinating concepts. Well, I obviously can't answer for, for Goldman or, or, sure. or City in terms of the, of the thought process. But mm -hmm. I mean, I, I would... Um, I, I would say, you know, when you have that, that kind of bifurcated messaging uh, around the market, which you do, and, and, and prices that, you know, don't have much room for something to go wrong, just risky asset prices in general, 
Um, you know, Lawrence has mentioned high yield, certainly, you know, priced essentially for perfection. You know, stocks are not cheap, you know, and we all we all know this. Um, we just think they're they're likely going to outperform bonds over the, the remaining half of this year. Um, with probably a little a, a little of additional elements of volatility to be expected. Why do we expect that? Because, well, reversion to the mean tells you we haven't had much volatility over the last, you know, call it year. Um, we're overdue for some volatility, so prudence tells you that we'll likely get some at some point in the near future. One thing that I'd point out in terms of you know, treasury yields, and we sit here in the United States and we talk a lot about U.S. Treasury yields, but yields across the you know sovereign debt markets in Europe, for example, are down as well. So I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a pervasive activity that's kind of going on. There's a little bit more of a defensive posture that the bond market seems to be telling folks, uh, and it's happening in in France and Germany, um, Spain, et cetera, not just here in the U.S. Yeah, that's probably a great segue. We can go ahead and share. I, I did move the, to the next chart. Thank you, Neil. By the way, thank you to Neil, our producer, who is uh, the Wizard of Oz behind the scenes, showing these really cool images and showing moving the slides when everything moves. But yeah, you I know, just saw the headline this morning: sixteen trillion dollars with a T of negative sovereign debt around the globe. I believe it was about twelve and a half trillion, approximately. Back who's counting? Back in May, so we're starting to see that, and that's that theme again. That listen. Uh, let's say a couple weeks ago, 10-year yield at 130, 140. Well, that's really cheap historically, or low, sorry, I should say low historically. Bonds are extremely expensive. Yet, if you're in just about any other part of the world, that 130, 140, 10-year yield actually looks pretty tasty. Lawrence, you want to build a little bit on that? And then also the image that we're showing um, about a $16 trillion in debt uh, negative. Yielding yep, negative, no, that's absolutely say. right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think I captured all those zeros up there on the on the, the title screen. I, I, I That's a lot of zeros, one, uh, perhaps. <laughs> but yeah, so we were at about uh, 12 trillion not too long ago. The, the all-time high is about 18 trillion. We're at 16 trillion of negative yielding debt. If you look at the the global aggregate uh, bond uh, index, you know the, the starting yield there is about negative uh, 32 basis points. So, as Mark mentioned, we are awash in, in debt of of negative yielding of securities and. And as you mentioned, Ryan, that does make our 115, 120 uh, extremely attractive to forward investors. So we have seen a lot of interest in our market, a lot of crossover buyers uh, into our markets to take advantage of, of, of these kind of higher yields from what they're used to. And if you think about it, I mean, for a U.S. investor, you know, 112, or 115, 120, whatever it is, you're probably going to lose money from, from a, a real return perspective over the next 10 years. But if you're in a, a, a jurisdiction like Japan or, or Germany where inflation expectations are going to be lower than what we have, you're probably going to eke out a, a positive real return. So that's, again, bringing investors into our markets uh, and it's keeping our interest rates low. Uh, so it, it is kind of a, a, a ceiling, if you will, in, in terms of uh, the ability for uh, treasury yields to move much higher from these uh, these levels. So until we see a, a more coordinated global economic recovery, uh, recovery will probably see these uh, these lower interest rates, uh, uh, you know, persist for, you know, for in the, in the near term anyway. Got it. So, guys, we've got maybe about ten minutes or so, so we've got a lot more good discussion coming. I, I, I'm fortunate enough to get on a mailing list, and I get to read Art Cashin's morning notes. Art Cashin's been doing this longer than just about anybody. He's forgotten more about the stock market than I'll ever know, and he's been pointing this out. It's kind of the concept to put bow on kind of what we've just talked about. Yeah, U.S. 
rates might seem low, but to the rest of the world, they're not so low. So they're gobbling it up. So then, like you said, that's low. So it's not the bond market freaking out with the, about, the, about the economy. Look at the credit markets. Like we started this conversation, credit markets aren't too worried. So it's, um, you know, there's two sides to every story. But again, this is what Art's been saying for a while. And I think it makes a lot of sense that our economy is not in so much trouble. It's just maybe the rest of the world maybe is weakening a little bit and they're buying um our debt as a result of that. So Probably. let's see. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. We'll leave it there. Just I mean, say, go Brian, ahead. Well, yeah. What I'd add to that, I think if, if we look back at the last couple few drawdowns and, and we talk about often how fast this market moves. I mean, when when we see drawdowns, traders are indiscriminate about what they they, they get rid of. Um, mm-hmm. And what's worked of the last couple of material drawdowns that we've seen has been treasuries and cash, right? Yep. Effectively, everything else has been sold, whether it's you know, in, in a hot, you know, kind of high grade and you know, corporate debt, whether it's mortgage-backed securities, municipal bonds, et cetera. So there's not a lot of safety out there when the market you know endures a material drawdown. So that probably puts a little bit of an underlying bid for treasuries, just because it's seemingly one of the loan safety assets that that people can perhaps own during any kind of material drawdown should we see one. Yeah, the, the great, great points there. Um, let's go forward. So this is, I think this is a fun conversation. It's one that's just been popping up a lot lately. It's the idea of leadership change in the uh, to the Fed, right? Jerome Powell's been in charge of the Fed since February of 2018. And a fun cocktail stat, if you will, the Dow dropped 4.6% on the first day when he took leadership. Now, that was the U.S.-China trade discussions really started falling apart in early February 2018. Still, historically speaking, when you have new leadership in the Fed, you know what the market tends to do? Tends to test it. We've seen sell-offs. I said one of the greatest handoffs in the history of handoffs has to be Volcker in August of 86, I'm sorry, August of 87, saying, okay, you know what? I'm done. Go ahead and take it. <laughs> uh, Greenspan, we all know what happened soon after the market crashed um, in 87. But again, historically, you get that test. And we saw that, obviously, in 2018 with the handoff. So now I'm going to hand it back to uh, to you, Lawrence. And Mark, I'd love to hear your uh, conversation or your thoughts, too. It's widely anticipated that President Biden, by the way, in case people don't realize this, the, the president gets to pick who's in charge of the Fed and the various um, Fed members, uh, the vice presidents and different people in the Fed. So he gets to, so Mr. Biden, or President Biden gets to pick it. Likely it's going to be Jerome Powell if you look at some of the betting markets. But Brainerd is a Democrat. Powell is a Republican. Sometimes politics can play a part of this. She's dovish, but they think she might be tougher potentially on regulation, on financials. That's one of the knocks we're getting from the progressive left that we're not tough enough on um, you know, the, the, some of these financial companies. And, and that's maybe a knock, if you will, on Powell. I said a lot. I hope I don't give it all away. I mean, Lawrence, how, how likely is it that we might have a new Fed chairperson in uh, February 2022? Yep. No. So yeah, yeah. You, a lot of great comments you made there, Ryan, and it all, it all obviously certainly true. Uh, so on the, the the screen we have uh, uh, Jerome Powell on the right and and Lael Brainerd on the left, and and she's kind of the leading candidate to be appointed if uh, if if Jerome Powell isn't reappointed. Uh, and as you point out, uh, you know the the, the odds-on favorite is uh, is Jerome Powell to be reappointed. He's done a, a good job. The markets give him a lot of. Uh, a lot of props for leading us through the the, the you know the, the COVID uh, uh, you know shutdowns and and the, and the uh, you know the economic shutdowns, uh, but there's an outside chance that Lael Brainerd, as you mentioned, would be 
or be appointed to, uh, to that, that leadership post. So just a little background on her. So she's been in the Fed since 2014. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people say that she's served her time and that she's ready to be elevated to that, that lead role. Uh, she is a Democrat. She worked uh, with, uh, with, with Clinton. She was an economic advisor to, to President Clinton, uh, and she served some time in, in the Treasury as well. So she has all the, you know, all the, all the, you know, the right qualities to lead the Fed, of course. Uh, and and uh, you know she would be the, the leading candidate, but as you pointed out, again she's a Democrat, uh, you know, uh, and and she's tougher on the financial reg- regulatory uh, part of of the Fed's job, which uh, there's been some issues, uh, according to Lale. Last week she came out and and said that uh, you know that there were some issues with with uh, Chairman Powell's oversight of some of these financial uh, financial uh, banks, and and uh, you know she would do a better job. So. And that uh, piqued the interest of Elizabeth Warren and Maxine Waters and some of the progressive leftists, as you mentioned. So they're they're definitely supporting her and, and trying to move her forward. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting few months. Don't forget who's in charge of the FTC now, right? Someone who's potentially going to be very tough on some of these communication companies. So maybe some of these people in power are going to be a little tougher. I mean, I know the next slide kind of is a breakdown of bull, or not bulls and bears, wrong word, uh, doves and hawks. I mean, Mark, what's your take? I personally think it's still going to be Powell, but hey, if anyone listens to this podcast knows every time I predict something, I'm wildly wrong, at least when it comes to sports. So maybe I'll be wrong again here. <laughs> so <laughs> take your cue. As I say, I think it's still going to be Powell. What's your take, Mark? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be real interesting. I mean, I, I would guess President Biden is is perhaps juggling with a, a preference in terms of the way he would like to see the Federal Reserve managed, if you will, uh, and stability, which is you know likely uh, would remain be a maintenance of stability if if Powell remained um, in in that seat. I, I'm gonna. I'm going to say it's probably closer to kind of like a 50-50. Maybe maybe Powell is a you know a, a slight uh, winner here in terms of the eventual uh, outcome. And I know there are other variables associated with it, but the financial sector kind of has been fading just a little bit. I mean, you know, obviously net interest margins and lower yields you know pressure that, but um, you know maybe maybe that's maybe that's telling us something, or at least maybe telling us that the the uh, the vote's going to be closer or the vote or the decision, if you will, is going to be closer than maybe the market expects. We call this podcast Market Signals for a reason, and that is an excellent point. One of the signals of the market is financials have, you know, surprisingly, I think we'll say kind of been lagging, even though the earnings have been really solid, and maybe that's something in there. Um, so I do. So we're going to talk about, I, I know, um, Lawrence, we probably need to cut this off with you. So thank you for your comments. Mark's got some economic comments coming up um, pretty much right now. But I want to point out, I don't know if you guys know, on the pod, this will be on YouTube later. I guess it'll be a, a couple days afterward. I got a new jacket here, nice green jacket. I don't know if you can tell my eyes. Do my eyes, do I look a little sleepy? Like bloodshot or anything, guys? Do I look okay? What do you think, Mark or, or Lawrence? I look all right? Looks good here. That's good. Because I, I did something last night that I didn't think I'd do. USA played at 12.15. And I'm not going to say who won yet because some people are watching this live. But I remember when, as a kid staying up for the watching Olympics with my dad watching stuff when it was overseas. And we stayed up till like 2 in the morning. And it was watching. Now, in five seconds, if you don't want to know who won the USA game, turn your thing down right now. Okay, hopefully you turn it down if you don't want to know. Awesome game. U.S. lost to Australia. You got to really give them props. I mean, they, they got beat by Australia. They haven't been looking good. They look like a team now. Um, awesome, awesome games. Let's hopefully – I should have said come back in 20 seconds. Let's hope – okay. So, at this point, hopefully you've turned your volume back up if you don't want to miss it. I'm not going to give it away. But it was a great game. I'll just leave it at that. And I'm glad I said until 2 o'clock when my boy's watching it. I'm doing good. I, I'm, I'm on adrenaline here. Uh, so, Mark, 
I just wanted to get that out there and how, you know, it, it, it's impressive what the U.S. team's doing. Um, let's talk about the economy. Um, I've got these slides. You tell me when to go to the next one, but we've got maybe three or four minutes for you to go through these slides. Take it away. Sure. And, and just just so advisors, as they settle into their day, know what's going on across across the globe. So um, the, the market U.S. services PMI um, was basically matching, you know, forecast slightly down from its highs. So we talked a little bit of yesterday about, you know, how, you know, kind of the economic indications are starting to fade just a little bit or perhaps flattening. Um, so that's perhaps a, an example of that. Um, actually, the, the ISM services index was also announced yesterday for July. That was indeed higher than expected. So offsets this, um, you know, just a little bit, but that was reported uh, yesterday. The next slide is probably going to give us the challenger job cuts numbers, which we are getting uh, this morning or we got this morning. Um, the, it was down 92.8%. So that number indicates, you know, kind of a further fading in this data series, which is, which is good news um, for the U.S. jobs market. So that continues to be uh, somewhat favorable. And then uh, today, again, if we move to the next slide, we also got the initial jobless claims number. And again, you can see just by the general trend of that line, initial jobless claims continue to fall, which means good news for the U.S. economy. Uh, the actual jobs or the initial jobless claims number this morning was 385,000. The survey was 383,000, so generally spot on, and that's an improvement from a, a, a claims last week of about 400,000. So um, while the overall economic environment perhaps not quite as robust as it's been over the last couple months, a little bit of fading here, um, the good news is the jobs market continues to be um, growing, uh, continues to be more robust than it was just a few months ago. Oh, excellent point. So that is, okay, that is the last slide. So guys, we've hit the end of um, today's LPL Market Signals Live. So everyone, thank you again for being here um, at the live version of the LPL Market Signals uh, podcast. Uh, really appreciate the listenership. Take care, everybody. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, 
Please note, LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.